Welcome to the Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport news and sometimes interviews. This is episode 76, recorded November 13th, 2021. I'm your host, Charles Current. In today's episode, how a safe is designed, how a safe is destroyed, Lock Noob hits a milestone, new Medeco M3 cam lock bypass, how a fiche safe lock works, safe cracking on an Apple Watch, the real Thunderbolt and Lightfoot heist, and more criminals, sales, giveaways, meetups, and more. You can subscribe to the audio version of the show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. If you don't already have one, you can find a podcasting 2.0 compatible app at newpodcastapps.com. You can subscribe to the video version on YouTube. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. YouTube and some apps limit the length of show notes and the amount of links I can put in, but you can always find full show notes with all of the links at thelocksportscast.com. First up, a quick announcement. Locky Awards is coming up. Nominations will start January 1st, so please start making your lists of videos and people that you want to nominate. Remember, this year, because of the constraints of shipping with the whole state of the world today, uh, there will be no physical trophies this year. I'm working on something else, a, a digital piece of artwork that people can post or engrave or whatever they want to do with for themselves. But at this point, no physical trophies this year. Sorry for that, but shipping is insane right now. So thank you for your understanding. And this week I spent a fair amount of time trolling B&E A Disease Instagram and Twitter pages. Lots of great posts there always. But one of the things that was posted this week was a link to an article called How a Safe is Designed, Part 1, Ingenious Engineering Against Attack. The header of the article reads, How is a safe designed to protect itself from sledgehammers, grinders, crowbars, grinders, thermal cutting equipment, and even explosives? And yes, they say grinders twice. Safes are cleverly designed to actually fight back when under attack. In this article, we reveal some of the ingenious engineering behind this. In the first part of the article, we'll take an in-depth look at the brute force attacks that a safe must withstand, the types of attacks, and how engineering and material selection assist a safe designer. Very in-depth article, pretty long, and I will have a link to that in the show notes. Lots of good visuals on there as well. Then he also posted a link to a Vimeo video entitled Vault Door VD-3EL Burglary Tests. And the video is about a vault door testing to the EN1143-1T2 standard. And they really go to town on this thing using grinders... Uh, wedges, sledgehammers, thermal lance, you name it, they do it to this door. And it's a pretty tough door. It takes them a while on a lot of those attacks to do any damage. So looks pretty good. So if you've ever been curious about watching somebody actually try to penetrate a safe door destructively in real life, definitely worth the watch. Lots of sparks. Good stuff. And Lock Noob this week released some big news. One of his videos hit 1 million views. He says, I'm totally in shock and so happy. The first video of mine on YouTube to reach 1 million views. Thank you so much for your support. It means a lot. And that video was the one entitled Learn Lock Picking Everything You Need to Know. So congratulations to Lock Noob. He also posted on Twitter, one of my designs with some optimizations from Sparrow's Lock Picks. And it's a picture of one of their like laser cut credit card form factor cards with 
looks like really thin material for use as shims. So different padlock shims that can be punched out of this thing and used to bypass a lock. Pretty cool way to carry them around. Beats what I've been doing. And Mr. Black Magic discovered an overlift type of exploit that works on the Medico M3 cam locks. And after responsibly disclosing it to Asa Abloy, he made and published a video on it last week. Definitely worth checking out. It's not a super easy exploit, but does appear to be a workable exploit. Sounds like their newer locks are not subject to it because of the restrictions of the keyway, but something definitely worth checking out. It's always really cool when somebody discovers a new exploit that hasn't been displayed before. Congratulations, Mr. Black Magic. You are uh, definitely showing your skill. And CKX put up a video called Seagull Pick Proof Unboxing and First Pick Attempt. And this is his first reaction to the Seagull Pick Proof. He opens the box that it came in uh, from another lock sporter and goes through his process of his first pick, how he's attempting to do it, what he's feeling, and how he's working with that. And so definitely worth checking out to see what a really skilled picker does as he works his way through a brand new style lock and learns its intricacies. So worth checking out. And a video I found really interesting was Alexander Mundy's video, How a Fiche Monocommande or Monio Safe Lock Works. I'm sure I've butchered those names. But anyway, he says, I'll try to show how all the internal components of a Fiche Monocommande work in this video. Wow, really cool video. Lots of detail on all the different parts and pieces inside this complex lock, how they interact and work. A really intricate lock with a lot of moving bits and pieces to keep track of. And he does a really good job of explaining how they all interact and work together. Definitely different than the safe locks that we're used to seeing. And Tool DC on Twitter posted a link to a video and the tweet said, Do you like shiny things? Do you like keys? Does society force you to wear clothes? Do you own any objects with zippers? This one's for you. Hippu from Tool Nova shows us how to turn keys into shiny knot keys, zipper poles, if you will. And the description to the video says, I recorded myself making a thing. It's not a very useful thing, but when has that ever stopped anyone? Why, when I was your age, I made things both ways in the snow. The uh, video is entitled Making Cool and Awesome Zipper Pulls. It's his fourth video, so definitely worth checking out and probably going over there and subscribing. Got a really fun sense of humor. We have several new products to go over this week. The first is from Peterson, thinkpeterson.com. It's the I Like Twists six-piece tension tool set. They put out a new product notification announcing this set. It's your usual wiper insert style with a twist in the the handle so that they have that slight springy action. Not my favorite type because they reduce, reduce feel, but if that is your type of tension wrench, then you can get a full six-piece set from thinkpeterson.com. iFisk sent this one in that I thought was just really cool. I'm sure locksmiths already know about this, but the Groove Milling Key Blank Maker says this key blank machine is used to make custom keys used for private or custom keyways. The machine will cut a groove in the side of a standard edge cut key. 
The model WX22 is a multifunctional advanced milling machine. It can cut or modify grooves for all types of key blanks. With removable handle, this machine is rigid and easy to operate with high accuracy. It can also be used to process all kinds of small hardware accessories. Pretty cool little design. It, it's got several different cutter blades that come with it, and it looks like it's just simply designed to modify the uh, grooves in the side of a key, so changing the profile. So maybe you can make one that is not quite right to fit a lock, able to fit a lock. Interesting. Um, like I said, I'm sure a lot of locksmiths already know this exists, but for those in locksport, pretty cool. I didn't know it existed. And Merlin sent in a note showing a new book that's coming out that he discovered called The Midnight Lock, a Lincoln Rhyme novel. Amazon said has a description that says, The master of ticking time bomb suspense, Jeffrey Deaver, delivers the latest thriller featuring his beloved protagonists Lincoln Rhyme and Emily Sachs as they search for criminal whose fascination with breaking locks terrorizes New York City. A woman awakes in the morning to find someone has picked her apartment's supposedly impregnable door lock and rearranged personal items, even sitting beside her while she slept. The intrusion, the police learn, is a message to the entire city of carnage to come. Lincoln Rhyme and Amelia Sachs are brought in to investigate and soon learn that the sociopathic intruder who calls himself the locksmith, can break through any lock or security system ever devised with more victims on the horizon, Rhyme, Sachs, and their stable of associates must follow the evidence to the man's lair and discover his true mission. So the book is not available on Amazon yet. It looks like it will release on November 30th if anybody's interested in checking that out. And I ran across this article on App Advice says, live out your safecracker fantasies with the Apple Watch game, Unsafe. The Apple Watch isn't exactly known as a gamer's paradise, but the new game, Unsafe, shows you that you can have fun with a wearable device. You probably might have guessed by the game's name, but you'll be living out a safecracking fantasy. And it sounds like you use the watch's digital crown to manipulate the dials, and it gives you haptic and auditory feedback as you work those. And it says on the watch screen, the animation gets slightly bigger behind the wheel when you're getting closer. When you think you've got it, tap, unlock, and see what happens. Players start on the first level with three lives, and there are 50 levels to explore. It's probably completely unrealistic, but sounds like it might be a fun challenge. On the meetups, sounds like most of them are going to be over by the time you get this, except the Hack in the Box Cyber Week in Abu Dubai on november 21st through the 24th if you're interested in that i will have the details on the meetup section of the locksportscast.com so you can go over there and check that out moving on to lock pictures united belts this week we have two new red belts we have naswek and froggy picker both with their red belts congratulations to both of you we have a new black belt announcement. Everyone, please congratulate Iona West on acquiring black belt. For this, he picked the Asa Twin V10 and a Bylock. For his quests, he cracked a Group 2 safe dial and he made some very nice picks for advanced and refined pick making. Congratulations, Iona West, on reaching your black belt. Very cool. Very well done. There was also this week an announcement of a whole series of lock classification updates for the belt system. Posted by Correct Jeans just before I uh, 
woke up to record this episode, so I haven't reviewed these, so I'm going to try and stumble through them here real quick. He says, apologies for the delay on the changelog. Many of these changes additions have been unofficially in place for quite a while. This batch represents the first half of the backlog, with the second half coming in probably a couple weeks. In the future, these will come in smaller chunks, I promise. So, new additions to the system. We have the American S1100, which will be classified as green. This is not your standard American 1100. The core is equivalent to the ML410. The other American 1100 has been specified as 1100 or A1100. The Mako 425 at green. And it says the consensus seems to be that it picks easier than the 427, despite being very similar. The Securami K22 is blue, a 10-pin dimple lock with two rows with a mixture of standards and spools. So-so tolerances put this with similar locks at blue belt. The Fab 2000 will be blue, a 5-pin lock with a mix of spools, barrels, and standards. It additionally has two levers that interact with the bottom of the key in the same manner as the Yale 5000. However, those levers are virtually impossible to overset and basically act as an equivalent of a couple of check pins. As the Yale 5000 is barely purple, the Fab 2000 sits at blue. The KL Killet 164YGSSE is blue, 6-pin dimple lock with a mixture of standards and spools. It has a neat little extra mechanism in which, either way you tension it, three tiny trap spools will pop into the chambers after turning the key a small amount and will also have to be picked. As those tiny spools constitute an independent mechanism, which is picked completely separately, it does not add quite enough to put this past blue. The Agent LS3, LS4, and LS5 will be purple. They are two-row high-pin count locks with 12 pins, all spools, but feedback from the spools is strong. The SecureMe K5 is purple. That's a six-pin pin tumbler lock with five taper drivers and one spool, in addition to four sprung sliders with ineffective false gates. The SEPA HDS is purple, two-row lock with 13 pins and security pins. Good feedback and unobstructive zero lifts put it at purple. The Lockman Megacross with mushroom drivers is purple, not to be confused with the Megacross SP, which has a much different style of drivers. The Megacross is a nine-pin lock, five normal dimples plus four diagonal. This version has very deep mushroom drivers in all nine chambers which give it very deep false sets, but also very good feedback. The picking process can be somewhat awkward, though, and tool choice is challenging for those without good selection of small flags. Specified in the listings as 9-pin, as there are versions that are missing the four diagonal pins. Schlage Everest 29SL will be purple, a 7-pin slider lock with false gates. False gates are not particularly deep, although picking is still far from trivial. The MNC move, purple, equivalent to condor, it says. Six pin dimples, five sprung sliders, and an interactive element. The pins and sliders are the same as the condor, and the interactive does not add sufficient difference for picking to list separately. The Icon SK6 Victor profile is purple, six pins and five sprung sliders. Contains three standard drivers and three tapered spools. The sliders sit in a slot in the very side of the keyway. The sliders sit in a slot in the side of the keyway and have very little range of movement and often do not require much fine manipulation to set. The ABA 
109582 will be brown, a three-row, 14-pin high pin count lock. While the drivers are all standard, the tolerances are quite good, and reportedly the top four pins are stupidly easy to overset with no hope of recovery. The Leperche rolls will be brown, five-slider radial pump lock with quite effective false gates. The Agent GMD500 will be brown, three rows, 15-pin lock with spools that give very good feedback. The Gold D9 brown, nine-pin variation of the Gold V18 with three pins in each of its three rows. It is adorably short. The Inaho Turnkey brown, not to be confused with the Horny slash Fuki tier key, a 12-pin lock in two rows containing a mixture of standards and spools. It is rather cramped and the pins are very easy to overset and tend to drop everything when you try to recover. The KL Killet 164 CEC is brown, three row high pin count lock with 17 pins and T drivers. Oh, I hate T drivers on those. Anyway, the Kraken KXR brown, five pins with tiny gin spool drivers and just okay countermilling. It additionally has eight unsprung sliders, four on each side, with just okay false gates. The Matura Champion C55, red, new version of the C43, 44, or 48, with extra passive pins and an interactive element in the back, but it has one less rotor, making it notably less difficult. The Goal Z, red slash black one, a dastardly seven-pin lock with both countermilling and overmilling. It contains spools which are sized such that the narrow portion sits directly under the lip of the countermilling when the lock is in a resting position. Very low cut pins have small standard drivers, decreasing difficulty, so it's red belt if it has two or more of those. The ASA Twin Exclusive 5700 will be a black belt lock, a Baltic exclusive version of the ASA Twin with an interesting double-pronged sidebar, which makes it relatively unique among the twins. I believe that's the lock that uh, Mao tracked down. Pretty expensive lock and pretty hard to get a hold of. Uh, a real collector's item. Now we have some locks that have been downgraded. The Abus 65-35 or smaller went from orange to yellow. It says the orange ranking for Abus 65 was intended for the 5-pin version, which corresponds to the 40mm model or larger. Smaller versions have fewer pins. The Isis from red to brown. A 5-pin radial lock with some reasonably difficult ridged drivers, but is not sufficiently difficult for red belt. And we have a few upgrades. The Winkhouse Extra. The versions with 9 through 13 pins will be red belt. It says here, the pin count threshold for red decreased to only nine pins. The ASA 700 with two or more Christmas trees went from red to black. The cries of the masses have been heard. The infamous ASA 700 has been upgraded to black with the two or more Christmas trees. The Gold V18 with 17 or more pins has been upgraded from black one to black two, which is uh, really only important for the the dawn system that comes after the belt ranking and then there were a few listing changes the lockwood mt5 split the purple belt listing for the lockwood mt5 has been renamed to the lockwood mt5 vpi heavily mastered corresponding to those locks 
which used for the Victorian power industry, those locks were notoriously mastered to hilarious extent, resulting in its separation from the NT5 Plus and a replacement in purple. Lockwood have now made the MT5 Plus platform a new standard high-sec option, and unmastered versions can now be more easily obtained, so the non-VPI locks are now equivalent to an MT5 Plus. EVA slider locks merged. The EVA slider locks in Purple Belt only differ from each other in Keyway, and so have been merged into a single listing. The MCS Gens 1 and 2 merged. Uh, Slider mechanisms in the MCS Gen 2 was not deemed sufficient to warrant it counting as a separate black belt lock from the Gen 1. And the mastering belt drop removed from the Icon TK5 says the drop in belt for mastered finger pins has been removed from both smooth and serrated versions of the Icon TK5. So for anybody not already familiar with the Lockpickers United belt system, there are links in the show notes to the official rules page, as well as several videos that outline what the process is, what the game is, how it works. So be sure to check those out and join in the fun. Over at Speedlocks, Pandafrog announced several new records. He says, we have a new world record from Froggy Picker for the Abus 54TI-15 in 1.766 seconds. And Froggy Picker matched the world record time that was set by Pandafrog for the Abus 713-15 in 1.167 seconds. And a first world record for the Isis 7-pin by Froggy Picker in 32.299 seconds. So Froggy Picker is claiming some records over there. Well done. Now I'd like to take a break and say thank you to the people that made this episode possible. We'll start with the Patreon subscribers. Those would be Pandafrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starrylocks, Williams Brain, Dave To Be Deciphered, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, PH Picker, Three Raccoons in a Coat, Cherell, Patty Cakes, Dr. Hogmaster, Clayton Howard, aka Cool Tune, Mog, John Locke, Rat Yoke, Mr. Picker, Cranky Lock Picker, Real Tater, and JHP Picking, Chief Content Producer for this episode, I Fisk and Cherell. They both put in the same amount of uh, stories used in this episode, so they're going to share that credit this week. Other content producers, Artichoke2000, Beanie A to Z, aka Good Guy on Twitter. Dr. Hogmaster, Froggy Picker, John Locke, Joshua Gonzalez, Merlin, Mr. Black Magic, Panda Frog, Rain, and Tony Varelli. Thank you to all of you for all the information you put out there. By the way, some of these credits are simply because they tagged everyone in the Discord and that got my attention. That's really all it takes to get a credit. Get my attention by tagging me and letting me know that there's something out there. And if it's a tag for everyone, I'll still get a notification. So I'll probably count it. And remember, this show is only possible because of all that support and information. So if you value this podcast, please help support it and keep it going by sending in your news, links, events, giveaway information, anything you have that you think would be of interest to the Locksport community, send it to podcast at locksportscast.com or any of the other methods listed in the show notes or at the locksportscast.com slash support. Everybody has their own little unique parts of the Locksport community that they frequent that other people don't. So news that's in one might not spread to the other. So help share it with the rest of the community by sending it to me and I will do my best to put it out there. That is the number one most important way you can help this show is by sharing your information. It takes a load off of me and a lot of time off my table 
being able to produce the show every week. Other ways you can help. Don't forget to share the podcast with your lockpicking friends, either in person now as things are starting to open up or online. Either way works. You can leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or a comment, a thumbs up on YouTube or Odyssey. Subscribe to the audio podcast or the YouTube or Odyssey channels. You can donate to PayPal or uh, subscribe on Patreon if you want to help financially. Not a whole lot of benefit there. Just a just a way to say you appreciate the show and you want to help out. If you support the show with a donation or information I use in the show, I will give you credit in the show notes and in the show, just like the people you heard me read off just a little bit ago. If you have an interesting story that you would like to share about your Locksport journey or something interesting that happened to you because of your involvement in Locksport, uh, write me or send me an audio or video recording and we can probably get it on the show. Would love to share more of people's stories of their adventures in Locksport. If you have feedback about the show or a story I put on the show, it can be kept confidential if you want, or I can share it on the show. Your choice. You're welcome to submit a note, video, or auto recording. Just remember to keep it reasonable length, polite, work and family safe, no politics, no drama, and we'll try and get it on the show. Let's move on to the locksmith story for the week. This one is another one out of American Key Supplies stories page said, well, about two or three years ago, I had a customer with a 2008 Lexus GS. He needed a replacement remote and key. No problem. Ordered from dealership. I then called our subcontractor that does the programming and laser cut milling on that type. We completed the job and everything was good. Two weeks later, he came back in complaining that the remote and transponder stopped working, to which I confirmed that the key and remote he handed me uh, were not working. I tried to change the battery thinking that maybe the battery was the issue, but it still didn't work. I called my subcontractor, explained the situation, and he comes by and does his thing and reprograms the remote. In hindsight, we should have checked the key portion. Four days later, he comes by again, claiming it stopped working. This time, our subcontractor was not available until later in the day. He comes by again. This time, he is suspicious because he opened the remote and noticed that the battery brand we had put in was different. So he pulls the key out and tries it in the glove box, and it doesn't work. He opens the glove box and is surprised to see a small padded envelope with a receipt from eBay for the purchase of two Lexus remotes which match this car. We checked the other key. It didn't work either. We then confronted the customer and he admitted how he just wanted each of his family members to be able to have a key to move it in and out of the driveway. We learned a lesson and now use a silver sharpie to make a unique mark inside every remote Also, our subcontractor told us he has new software to prevent this from happening again. The customer apologized to us and offered to pay for the services. Well, he should have, because technically that's theft of services. And probably some other form of fraud. And here's another one from the Instagram of B&E A to Z. Told you I was trolling his accounts pretty heavy this week. This one is an interesting picture of a very large rifle with a very large silencer on the end. The post says, in 1965, Canadian criminal Joel Singer, a 22-year-old member of the Montreal-based West End Gang Syndicate, stole two World War II-era Lati L39 20mm anti-tank gun and 200 rounds of ammunition from Plattsburgh, New York gun dealer. Singer and four other gang members later used one of the guns in a dramatic late-night burglary when when they broke into the vault of the Brinks facility in Syracuse, New York. The Boom Beast 
equipped with a drum-sized improvised suppressor made from an oil drum filled with steel wool and rubber shavings, then dampened with a wet mattress, cracked open the bank vault after a hail of 33 rounds of AP, allowing the gang to flee with nearly a half mil in cash. He also mentions that the Brink's job was the central plot device in the later 1970s Clint Eastwood film Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, but an unsuppressed U.S. Navy surplus cannon was substituted for the Finnish hardware. So anyway, definitely worth checking out the story, and there'll be a link to his post in the show notes. I eliminated just a little bit of the post here for time brevity, and I'll have a link to a Thunderbolt and Lightfoot trailer on YouTube if you want to check that out. And I recommend you go follow B and E A to Z on Instagram and Twitter. Always some really great posts. I'm only sharing a couple of highlights here, but he put out so much cool stuff about safes and vaults in the last couple of weeks. Just fantastic stuff. Go check it out. Please follow him. Do yourself a favor. You won't regret it. Moving on to other criminal news. This article from WGN9 in Chicago, written by Dana Rebick. The story is out of Elmhurst, Illinois. Elmhurst police are investigating after armed car thieves made off with a homeowner's SUV despite never obtaining keys. Authorities said the brazen theft in west suburban Elmhurst occurred when thieves stole an SUV parked in the driveway of an area home. According to police, around 5.07 Monday morning, ring doorbell video captured car thieves as they staked out a black Jeep SRT parked in the driveway. Surveillance video captured the car thieves making a U-turn, parking near the curb of the home. One man approached the passenger side of the vehicle, with two others following and standing near the vehicle. The video shows one offender holding a gun, pointing it at the door of the home. One of the other men also raises his firearm, pointing it at the door, but later lowering it. The ring video shows one of the other men walking up, holding what appears to be an iPad or tablet with the screen lit up. Although the Jeep had no keys inside, the trio were able to start it and take off with the other offenders jumping in the other vehicle and speeding off from behind. It says from start to finish, they were in and out in three minutes. And they warn about the the prevalence of relay attacks. They chopped the video up pretty heavily in this article, so it's hard to tell for sure if this was a relay attack. But one of the, the guy who was pointing the firearm at the door appears to kind of disappear from frame towards the the front door area. So I'm thinking they might be right on this, that after making sure nobody was going to come out, he probably walked up and uh, was scanning the door area. That's about the same time that the guy comes out with the tablet. So it might be, very well might be a relay attack used there. The next article out of Washington, D.C. by News 4, written by Pat Collins. Susan Hogan, and Andrea Swalek. Thieves can hack key fobs to steal cars. Here's a wild story and how to stop theft. They say a U.S. soldier serving in Kuwait recently had his car stolen twice from outside his home in Maryland after the key fob was apparently reprogrammed. Here's what happened to him and how to prevent your key fob from being hacked. A U.S. soldier named John is stationed in Kuwait His black Infiniti sedan was parked at his apartment near Prince George's Plaza. His fiancée, Adrian, would check the car from time to time. Adrian went to check on 
the car on October 11th and it was gone. She and her mother, Addie, used the Find My Car app to track it down. After 10 hours, they found the Infinity in Hyattsville, but the key fob didn't work. It appeared the thief had a fake fob and blocked the real fob from working. Adrian and her mother called John in Kuwait, who was able to open the car using his computer. They called police, who found bogus tags on the car and a gun and some marijuana. As they were standing there, a man walked up, got into the car, and drove off. Eddie says he steals the car in front of the police and in front of us. Adrian and Eddie were able to get the car back, but then it was stolen a second time. This time, the mother and daughter detective team tracked it and found it in D.C. The driver took off and stopped at a self-storage unit. They say they saw him get out, pick up some more items, take a swig of whiskey, and keep driving, first heading northeast and then southeast. After almost 10 hours, the Infinity came to rest in Foggy Bottom. The car was found near the metro station. Police found more bogus tags and inside the car, another gun. The thief was long gone. As of Tuesday night, Soldier John's car was safe under lock and key in an undisclosed garage. And then they give some tips on preventing your key fob from being hacked, and they go into how to prevent a, basically a relay attack. They're saying block the signals from reaching your fob in the first place. Look for products that block electromagnetic and radio frequency. Faraday bags and cages are recommended. Put your fob in a metal container, such as a gun safe. Uh, even the fridge might work. Keep your key as far away from the car as possible. And you might use other devices such as a steering wheel lock or other locking devices to add another layer that the thieves would have to deal with rather than just a simple relay attack. However, there is no evidence on this one that this was necessarily a relay attack. It appears the first thief in this one, at least, was able to reprogram to a new fob, which means he might have access to one of those devices or programming fobs, either stolen from the locksmith or bought on the bought online. Either way, that one appears to be more than just the relay attack going. And then our last criminal story is out of Denver by CBS4, written by Tori Masson. Car theft victim helped Denver police bust Sopranos crime ring. The criminals behind the theft of a Denver woman's car are behind bars. A grand jury indicted a group of 11 men and women on 91 criminal counts related to organized crime. The group identifies itself as The Sopranos. Sometime between 1 p.m. and 2 p.m. on June 4th, Noah Burns' car was stolen. The short time frame led her to believe the thieves had experience, but her willingness to find who's responsible caught a major mistake in their getaway. A 7-Eleven purchase blocks away from her home, would mark the start of the end of their crime spree. Burns said, I got a ping alert from Discover that my card had been declined. All of a sudden, I put it together. That card was in the center console of my vehicle. She called Discover, asked for the store number. She went to the 7-Eleven location and asked the manager if they had surveillance video for the exact day and time her stolen card was declined. They obliged and showed her the video. She says, we see him walking up. He's wearing a baseball cap, black shirt, and he's anxious. He's moving a lot. He's pacing a lot. Then he comes up and runs the card. She posted a screenshot of the video on an auto theft Facebook group. A couple of days later, she got a call from the Denver Auto Theft Task Force saying that they recognize those people. Do you have any more footage? 
Police later identified the man in the video as a member of the Sopranos crime group. Investigators say the group targeted Kias and Hyundais and used screwdrivers to break the ignition locks. They also allegedly stole credit cards from the vehicles. The group has since been indicted and accused of stealing more than $950,000 in motor vehicles, firearms, tools, financial transaction devices, and other items between February 19th and September 29th. Burns said, They didn't break a window. The car was locked. All the windows were up. The alarm was set. In moments, it was gone. This makes more sense about why they were so good at it, quite frankly. Police did find Burns' car after a concerned citizen reported it parked on their street. Burns says the thieves put 5,000 miles on her car in less than a month, and it reeked of meth. So not real clear about how they were doing the entry to the car, but it sounds like their methods for actually starting and driving the car away were more brute force. All right, let's move on to sales. This week, we have pretty much the same ones. We have the Hydrometer Pickset closeout at thinkpeterson.com. And at mattslockpit.com, the custom picks are still on sale as of the recording of this video. You can get 10% off at 3dlocksport.com with the code LSCAST10. 15% off at makolocks.com with the code BUYMAKO. And 10% off at uklockpickers.co.uk with the code GIFT. We have several new giveaways this week. John Locke's 300 subscriber giveaway celebration, hashtag John Locke 300. The official rules, up to two entries per person allowed. Entry one, you post a video on YouTube showing, describing, and talking about your favorite LockSport tool. Tag the video with hashtag John Locke 300. Entry two, Either post a video on YouTube or write a comment in this video with a recommendation to a YouTube channel which you are really enjoying and has a positive focus. His example is Harry Mack. Please tag your comment or video with hashtag JohnLocke300. The giveaway ends November 30th. PandaFrog. Giveaway hashtag SpeedABus and SpeedPicking the ABUS 6320. The rules for the giveaway, speed pick any lock and submit it to the speedlocks.org team. A valid speed pick will give you one entry. You only can get one entry. Use hashtag speedabus in the video title. Part one ends on 30th of November. 12 winners will be drawn after the end date. The 12 winners will get one ABUS 6520 and can compete in part two, which will be announced when everyone receives their Avis 6520s. These 6520s are all key to like and marked on the bottom. Sounds like we're going to have another one of the speed competitions. Froggy Picker, one-year giveaway, hashtag one-year froggy. First round rules, speed pick any lock and submit it to speedlocks.org team. A valid speed pick will give you one entry, you only get one entry. Use hashtag one year froggy in the video title. Be a subscriber and leave a message on this video to make sure I don't miss your entry. First round submit period ends on 30th of November. The six winners will be randomly drawn on December 1st. The six winners will get one TSA 006 forge padlock and key and can compete in a second round to win a grand prize, which will be announcing after the drawing. The second round will run for the whole month of December. 
And as of this recording, Dr. Hogmaster has not ended his giveaway yet. So the Dr. Hogmaster's hashtag sesquincentscriber pick a lock wrong giveaway is still running, I think. He's not real clear on when the end date is, but sometime in November. So I'll just keep looking before I make the announcement to see if he has announced the drawing yet. The rules, you must post a video of you picking a lock wrong. Creative interpretations are welcome. Use the hashtag in the title of your video and rules are subject to change. If you're into giveaways and like winning prizes, be sure to check out CLK Supplies hashtag LockBoss giveaway. They do giveaways every week with lots of great prizes. They are a locksmith supplier, so they have lots of cool goodies for the locksport enthusiast as well as the locksmith. So be sure to check it out. Uh, Not an endorsement. I just know they give a lot of free stuff away and a lot of people enjoy their giveaways. Remember to send me any information you have that's Locksport related, even if you don't think it's important. It might just be the bit of information that I need. If not, no harm done. You can send all that to podcast at thelocksportscast.com or go to thelocksportscast.com slash support to find all the different ways to help out the show. Share the show with your friends. If you want support financially, you can join Patreon or donate via PayPal. All of your help is greatly appreciated and please keep it legal. (laughs) 